Welcome to Intentional AF, your weekly podcast delivering the hottest takes on branding, marketing, and tech tools to help you build a scalable, intentional, and badass brand in Web3. Are you a Web3 artist, creator, or project founder? Join us every Wednesday for 30 minutes of inspiration, insights, and actionable tips. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with the latest from Intentional AF. Now, let's dive in. What's wrong with your dog? Nothing. Just a yearly checkup. Oh, okay. That's good. Us on the left side or bottom? Sorry. I looks like it's on the left. Okay, good. That's why I remembered. It was just... Okie dokie. Why? I hate the prep. Oh, there it is. Okay, right. Whoa. 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 Don't you ever. Ah. What? Never. <laughs> All right. Get her my Gives me every time, man. Really good. Okay. Uh, da, 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 na, 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 na. <clears throat> Let me drink a sip of water. Water. I gotta consult you about Silas Simon after this Pat. You know, you need to get consultation from Pat. That's what I said. Consult you. We're going to South America. Woo! Okay. Do they, have, do they have mushrooms in Venezuela? I don't know. I haven't been in seven years, so. They probably got them by now. Okay. <coughs> Three, two, one. Welcome, welcome to Intentional AF, your weekly podcast bringing you the hottest takes on branding, marketing, and the latest tech tools so you can build a scalable, intentional, and badass brand in Web3. Today, we're exploring Moonbirds and our intentional brand check, giving you one fire brand tip you can implement today to level up online. And in nerding out, we'll be checking out three products, Dream Studio, Luka, and Savvy Cow. Are you ready? Let's get into it. I am ready this time, uh, unlike last time, but uh, so I'm really excited about that. Welcome, everyone. Uh, before we get started, I just want to give a quick disclaimer about our intentional brand check. Uh, our intentional brand check, we go over different brands, uh, just following their brand identity, their storytelling, their messaging, <laughs> it's also their content and KPIs. Uh, the intentional brand check is not financial advice, and we will be focusing only on areas of improvements from a project, from a branding and marketing perspective to help you learn how to build a better brand. Okay, so the brand for today is Moonbirds, a uh, really popular uh, brand that a lot of people that are in the NFT space know about. Uh, really good. I think we're going to start with the Twitter First, first reactions. Let me pull up here. First reactions, they have that gold check mark. Uh, they are pretty straightforward. The art collectors PFP. Uh, one thing that I really like that the other brands that we've done that they haven't done compared to them is that that little emoji signature with the owl and the paint. 
Uh, I think that it's like very subtle and most people wouldn't think too much about it. But when you're on Twitter and you see an owl next to something in parentheses, you automatically know that that is related to Proof Collective or the Moonbirds. And that's a really genius marketing move, in my opinion. Um, moving on to their tweets and, and what I've see, what I saw when I scroll through their page. Uh, they have really good content overall. They're showing uh, the activity on their DAO, which they called uh, the... Society. Yeah. Okay, let me redo that part. So, from what I saw looking at their Twitter account, I saw a few things that I really, really liked. So, they're showing a lot of activity from their DAO, which they call Lunar Society, uh, through Twitter spaces and, and the activity that they have with their community. Uh, they're also showing testimonials, not only of the uh, the collection itself, but the product and the design of their website and the tech that they have. And they also focus a lot on community activations and showing and updating people on their IRL experiences. I think a few things that I noticed is that I would do even more of is Leaning on that, showing that product and that design, I saw a couple people talk about it and how they like the collector's experience that they have from their website. So even doing like a quick uh, run through of that part, I think as a as an original content would be something that could be really easy to showing off kind of that intention and that effort that they put behind their tech. Uh, and then secondly, they're very heavily focused on art because that is one of their main values that we'll see later on the website. Um, so I would want to see even more of that. They have that a lot on Instagram uh, and they do a really good job on that part. I would just do more of that on their Twitter. Uh, and, and when I say more of that, I don't mean like create more content. They already have the content. I went through their website uh, and their media outlets and they have the podcast they have a late uh, daily countdown so they have a lot to play with and i would just take from the things that they're already creating and posting more of that into their main moonbirds feed uh and then they they do a lot of um podcasts and interviews with artists uh so showing the artists on their feed showing the art on their feed um you know i think there's a lot of opportunity for improvement on that side but uh, again, it is not going to be a heavy lifting on their part because they're already doing it. It's just not necessarily being shown on their feed. So that will be the only thing uh, that could solve, be solved really easily. Uh, we can move to the website. So talking about their values, uh, they're very easy to find that if you can go to community and then go to moonbirds sure how about we start there okay we'll start here and i'll move to that and that way you can restart this last section okay yep wait are you gonna go to moonbirds page yes as you start so just start talking saying like we'll go to their website and oh, okay we'll look at this and that's so that way we're right here and i'll move to it gotcha gotcha <clears throat> 
Okay, that's it for the Twitter feed. Let's go to their website. Uh, let's go to Moonbird specifically. One thing that I notice about it is that it's very easy to understand their value, uh, their values and their mission statement. Right there, they state Moonbirds are... Oh, wait, can you zoom in a little bit? Thank you. All right. One thing that I really noticed when I went to their website is that their values and their mission are, are stated right there front and center. So Moonbirds are an art collectors, creatives, and dreamers. Our community is a home for those seeking a real connection as we all contribute to the future of Web3 art, culture, and technology. Um, so if I was someone coming in, I know that it's all about art, it's all about culture, and then it's all about technology. And they really put their money where their mouth is. A lot of the rewards that they've that they've done for their community is surrounded uh, is surrounding art, and and they're playing with big big players, big artists in the space, but also up and coming artists. Um, so they, I know from a community standpoint, a lot of people want to participate in their art curations, and a lot of people see a lot of value in the airdrops that they do through their art. Um, so really good job from from a design perspective i think their brand identity is pretty clear throughout the whole thing it's really recognizable and they did a really good job with that honestly it was a little, it was a little bit hard to find uh areas of improvement with this one too um so th that was kind of my my first impressions findings what do you what do you think christina yeah gotta agree on a lot of it i think when we think about Moonbirds, you think about Proof Collective. And when they came into the space, they really did things quite differently. Obviously, their forward face on the product and, and the company itself is Kevin Rose. Anyone that knows Kevin Rose, he has an experience building tech companies. So he built and sold a company called Dig, which was a social media or content aggregator. Uh, he sold that before he was 30 years old. He's worked at Google Ventures. He's built some other tech startups. He had his own kind of personal brand a little bit beforehand with a podcast, Modern Finance. And then his own venture capitalist firm is called True Ventures. We often use him as a case study for personal branding in the space because this is kind of what you saw pre-Web3 with Kevin Rose. When you go into Web3 Kevin Rose, if you just scroll pat, we see a, a shift and change in how he approached his own personal brand, but also building out of the Proof Collective as a whole. So you said it yourself, they do a good job at establishing what is their mission, what are they about? We're creating community-centric products that celebrate art, connect collectors, and activate creative entrepreneurship. This is a broad enough statement that you can do so many things with it. And we've seen that with what they're doing. They've launched this overarching brand, which is Proof Collective, Moonbirds is sort of their signature product or their signature NFT collection that they launched with first. Easy tie back to the JPEG 10K collection. Um, but Proof was really one of the first projects that we saw in the space double down on the membership-based, access-based token. So we've seen that gain a lot of steam in recent days as we moved away from just the JPEG as a character. But coming out of the time that they did, it was a small collection of a thousand. They really kind of curated the networking community. It was sort of a, if you know, you know, type deal. Um, and that 
obviously formed quite a strong network. And it almost acted as a, a friend and family round for what they were building with Proof. It's been a real ecosystem approach, which is also something we're seeing develop over time when we know that just the characters or just the JPEGs aren't enough in and of themselves. And so they've been really leading the charge on how are you building an ecosystem? How are you building a business? Maybe you launched with Moonbirds, maybe you launched with Deadfellas, maybe you launched with Doodles, but you're building a business here. And how are you making sure that you're positioning your project, your company in something much larger that allows for growth and flexibility, which I think they've done. Their unique expertise and value proposition here, what they're sharing is product, which you talked about earlier, Alex. Their co-founder, Justin Mezzel, he's a designer, an illustrator, creative director, knows how to build product that is beautiful and simple and easy. And that's a real differentiator. And we're seeing that in how their brand actually represents itself. But also what you were saying, how they're not afraid to launch like tools, play with AI, do different things that don't necessarily have to generate revenue for them, but are exciting ways that they can kind of engage their community based on their unique value proposition, which is product and platform. Platform obviously comes from the Kevin Rose side of things. So really interesting way of looking at things and doubling down on their expertise without explicitly stating it of like, we're venture capitalists, we have network, we're highly tied to Silicon Valley Bay Area venture capitalists. I think the last thing that I'll say is I like the way that they're approaching this from a messaging standpoint and not being overtly direct. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because I think it shows their expertise and their experience in the space of venture capital and financial markets. So they are doubling down on artists and collectors, which means that they're staying away from SEC and regulation and things that are not clear yet. So as business people, they understand that if I come out and say one thing, I'm exposing myself and I'm generating risk for my business. And by taking it back, focusing on what are the main key points that they want to create for their community, artists and and collector access? They're able to kind of leave room for how this builds and how it develops and how it grows. I would be shocked if Proof doesn't have a fund in the future, but I think they're being really smart. They've obviously got runway for a number of years, who knows how long, based on the successes that they've had but they're allowing themselves flexibility in how they maintain community at this point in time without exposing themselves to too much risk in that messaging. So all in all, I think a a, a great job on that. I think it's really hard to find a community, especially in the NFT space that has a variety of people. Like usually you find either a NFT project that's like really heavy on like the DGen community or really heavy on the art community. And this is one of the those projects that I think has done a really good job at balancing the professional DGENs, the DGENs DGENs, and then also the art DGENs and, and mixing that world that's like really hard to do, especially even in in, in real life, like when you go to their their events in person. Uh, I've I've been to one personally and I was meeting with people that were artists, like really well known artists, really uh, up-and-coming artists i saw flippers i saw people that are big collectors so i saw a little bit of everything uh and i think that's a really healthy thing to do to have that variety uh so props uh to them for that 
And I think that's an extension of, of Kevin. And because that's how he got his start in the space. He talks about it. And I've heard him speak about, you know, through his network and through his friendships, he was like sent a couple of crypto punks and that kind of got him starting. And then he started looking at uh, Mooncats, I believe it was. And I think he started as a collector in the space knowing, you know, there was an investment opportunity here, but he also talks about the fact that he was just intrigued by it. So I would never classify Kevin Rose per se as like a D-Gen, but I think there's like D-Gen qualities like there is for all of us. If you got into this and you were trading and you were playing around, I think that community represents sort of all different facets of what he is and what his experience has been and how has he come into the space. I also find that a lot of folks that come from finance, VC, traditional finance in general, there's always a little part of them that's a D-Gen. Right. But they keep it in check as like, okay, 2% of my funds go to my gambling habit. And most new technologies like this come up as a gambling habit, which is, okay, I'll toss a hundred, $200 at this PFD or at this idea. And they look at it very differently than a lot of the newcomers coming into the space are like, I'm putting my rent in and I want to make, you know, 10 X or a hundred X and I have to survive from this. And I think that approach on its own really changes it. I agree with you guys, the events that I've been to that they've had that I've been lucky enough to attend. Um, Ed Balloon invited us to one when we were in, in New York last time, and everybody there was very intentional and really positive to talk to, very, you know, strategic in their thinking, a lot of value for their community and focus. And to your point, Alex, too, the creatives that were there were some of the most phenomenal, you know, creative folks and artists. So it's such a perfect balance between those two worlds. And I actually really like the fact that Coming from the VC world, you know, that's steeped in regulation and law, they really are trying to kind of develop on that fine line. And I think because of that, you can appreciate more the efforts of what they're doing because it has that longer term vision built into it because of where they come from. Yeah. What do you uh, see with their content and KPIs, Pat? Let's jump in. So content wise, I couldn't pull up their information on my usual stuff for Moonbirds, but you know, they're doing a pretty frequent job. I think Alex, you covered it really well. My only point was the same thing where they do a lot of content, but they don't push out, let's say enough of the user generated information or let's say audiograms on this stuff so that if there was evergreen stuff talked about here that should be passed around it probably would make more sense to have that than have someone try to listen to 35 minutes it's like me sending you a 34 page deck you're not going to go past the first three slides and knowing that that's the case and then also being able to distribute that content further and knowing that everyone on TikTok will get that update as well in that audio form format, so it doesn't have to be a video, would be really beneficial because to everything everyone said to this point, they're doing a lot of the things right. I think they're just not maximizing the potential of all the things they're doing really well at that last mile, which is the hardest because those are processes, those are specific tools that have to be in place to kind of make that happen. But they've done all the fundamentals that are fantastic. I'm going to go over a little bit of the finance KPIs so people know to what kind of Christina talked about, where they've come from, the original 1000 collection that they launched, and some of the analytics behind all of this stuff so that people have a better idea of seeing 
this project at one point was, you know, a high of 109 ETH each, right? And then as you can see, just recently, they're selling for 5.8 ETH. This was at the top of the market, right? This is crazy when you look at it to see where things have gone. And you look at this as, again, a company who's done a very good job at what they're doing and has probably the highest, one of the highest quality blue chip communities. And because they've been always very concerted in the, their intentions, their focus on collectors and art at the right time was the right move. To your point, Christina, about the membership and knowing that this is about the membership, those choices they've made have been always done at the right time and have helped them lean in the right direction every single time. But to see something like this shows you the only other point I wanted to make, which is why has the project gone down to this price? And I want to kind of better explain to people that this is more about the market economics and the reality that as we have this crypto crisis in banking and bank failures, we're also seeing outflows of capital and also the closure of on-ramps for new capital which is probably more in this area. Um, but the reality is if there are less on-ramps, there's less inflow of capital, which means there's nowhere to go to bring prices back up. So it becomes a bit of a moot point and discussion why a price is what it is, when the reality is there's no economics that would allow this to go otherwise. Then to the next point, which is being from that VC financial background, legal and regulatory understanding, there's no point to risk yourself and say, hey, let's start some play to earn or let's start, you know, staking rewards or let's do a token and, you know, do a meme token, a, a coin and see what happens. There's way more risk in that than there is a benefit to it. So I think same thing when you look at the Moonbirds project, when it first originally came out, we were almost at 40 ETH. They're around 2.07, 2.14 today. To me, I find this an extremely attractive point. I always bring this up when I see something that has dropped this much and has a great core team and is built on a great community with clear values. And there's alignment with those individuals in that core team to kind of continue down that path. I get excited at these points. So I don't know how much lower these prices can go, but a lot of the mechanics, you know, of what they're doing is right. And it's showing in all the right areas. I just think you have to almost take the correlation between successful, good project that's going to be around for a long time versus what's the floor price when all the on-ramps for, for, for crypto and fiat in general are gone. And so we're not going to get more people bringing millions of dollars into crypto that would then go into this. I think we're going to see a change in the regulatory environments first before anybody that's a U.S.-based project is going to take any crazy risks um, that would otherwise jeopardize the community because they have such a great community. I was really impressed when we went and spent some time with the folks there. And I really liked everyone I spoke to. The artists were phenomenal. They've always supported Ed Balloon in a great way as well. So I've been nothing but, you know, excited to find a point at which I can enter a community like this as well. And at that price point too, it's exciting to see that that opportunity has come because at 40 ETH, that would have been a big buy. But at this point, it becomes way more realistic. Yeah, and I think well, us convincing ourselves to buy into every know, right? project that we raised. <laughs> Not financial. Once again, once again. Uh, I think the one point uh, I'll raise too is 
is that it doesn't make any of these market dynamics, it doesn't make their job necessarily easier. Um, it, it makes it even more important to create value in the community that they have, build the strength and the relationships that they do have. But you're not going to spend the time as a project to explain market dynamics of like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? So it's a difficult job. And I know their person who is the head of the community, Stevie, very hard job to be able to explain that because some people will understand the market dynamics of it. Some people won't. You still have to be able to explain that, but without being able to come out right and say it, um, that's a hard job. That's a really hard job. Last point I wanted to make that I didn't add was just, I do always like a Google trend search. And it was very intriguing to me that they have quite a bit of growth in China and Singapore. So, and again, I'm not, I haven't completely correlated that versus everything that people are searching for or how they are. They do have, I think, uh, like their next art uh, exhibition is like a Japan, uh, like an Asia-based artist. So that might be a reason why. Yep, yep, that's always positive. Um, all right. So, what's the grade that you guys give Moonbirds? I'm giving a A minus. I think they're doing a great job. I think there's room for improvement in the areas that we talked about, which is the content repurposing. Um, But I think overall, I don't know what would be one of the highest floor prices that have been able to sustain in these markets, but I would suspect that six is a very high floor price um, in this world. So that means that they're doing something right with the holders that exist right now. That means that the holders that they have do see value regardless of what will be or could be a recomma proof in Moonbirds in the future, they're doing a good job with what they have available to them. Um, and I think they could tighten up by just, we always talk about it from a product or a content perspective. If you're going to invest time in anything, make sure that you're repurposing to maximize that time invested. We know that teams are lean right now. Time is tight. It's hard out there. So that would be the encouragement on their team of just like prioritizing that's only going to allow them to maximize the time they invest in content creation to make sure that it's getting across all the platforms that they want to so that the foundations are set for whatever market approach that they want to take in the future. I would add to that. And what you just said at the end was the key point. Everyone's not watching TV anymore, right? They're on their device and they're on Instagram. They're on TikTok. If you aren't taking the amazing quality of content that they produce, and I know they produce, and not spreading it out onto those platforms and slowly spoon feeding it to the next generation or, you know, extensions in the community, I think you're missing out on the biggest opportunity. It's that idea of when, you know, PowerPoints went from 40 slides to four and done with graphics and people just talk to points instead of writing out the whole fucking paragraph. I feel like that's kind of the point of, you know, extending the content out past to where people want to consume it and they want to consume it in 60 second sound bites and they want to consume it every single day, multiple times a day. And that's how we really can extend our reach and build the community and audience further. Yes, I won't add anything because I think you guys cover everything, but I would give it an A minus as well. It's just that maximizing and that's like you said pat the hardest part because you already feel like you're already doing everything that you are supposed to be doing so that's like that extra work that you know that cherry on the top um all right when it's a cost it's a cost when you're running a lean business like it does take time if not everyone outsources of course you know 
that's something that we do, but like there's a cost center associated with it there too. And so it's finding ways to maximize that from a content perspective, but also against a budget that you have available. Would that be uh, your, or I don't know if that's your personal brand tip, but what would be your personal brand tip based on the brand check from Bloomberg's? Yeah, I think my personal brand tip is really focused on the wonderful quote that we always hear of it's a marathon. And if you look at pre-Web3 Kevin Rose, uh, just scrolling up there, you look at the time that it's taken for an individual like Kevin Rose, who is extremely talented, who was acknowledged from a very young age in the space and has taken, we always talk about if you start with your story and you start with your values and what you care about and what you're interested in, you create a really strong foundation, which that's as a tree trunk for your personal brand. The companies that you build, the companies you work for, the places that you go all become different branches on that tree, but the tree doesn't really, the trunk itself doesn't change. It just strengthens and grows over time. And I think Kevin's a really good example of that. He's been able to take his interests, technology, building platforms, you know, he got out of it. He now went down the venture capitalist route. He understands the importance of content creation, which we've seen in his own brand, as well as through his projects. And I love building a personal brand around an ecosystem approach. Proof to me is a representation of all things that Kevin cares about. And so the offshoots of that, whether that's Moonbirds or Grails or Future Proof Event, if they ever do that down the line, these are just his branches. And so his strong trunk is really based on the fact that he loves community. He loves building product and trying it out. He loves this idea of art and, co and collectors coming together. And every single thing he does in that ecosystem is a representation of that. So it's a marathon. That ecosystem is not happening overnight. It certainly didn't happen to Kevin. It's not happening for any of us. That sucks to hear sometimes when you're building a personal brand because you want to see movement. You want to see things grow and evolve more quickly. But just knowing that like over time, as you're trying these different things, eventually it'll become more apparent of what is your ecosystem and what are those things that you really care about that you want to double down on based on your unique expertise and values. Nice. So we can do sponsor ad break. Okay. Do you want me to read it? This episode is brought to you by Intentional, a Web3 native agency and collective helping creators and companies build scalable, intentional, and badass brands. Intentional provides comprehensive services to enhance your brand positioning and awareness while increasing your marketing team's productivity without the extra headcount. Learn more about Intentional services and collective at beintentional.xyz. Okay, you think we can do this in like seven minutes? Yep. Tools. Just do the intro and we'll get started. <clears throat> All right. In this next section, nerding out, we look at genius marketing moves, efficiencies, AI tools, and campaigns 
that we're seeing in the community that we know we love and we often use. We look at these tools each week and we tell you how we use them in our environment so that you can use them to create a more efficient environment to maximize all the work that you're doing. Pat, take us through what your tool is this week. So I'm going to go quickly through. It's called dreamstudio.ai. And this is very much like mid-journey in the sense that it's an image-based creator that you put in, but it can take very complex prompts. So what got me here originally was their prompt for a traditional library, floor-to-ceiling bookcase, rolling ladder, large wooden desk, a large arm or leather armchair, antique rug, warm lighting, inviting atmosphere, and you see what it can do. And the quality of these pictures is like remarkable. So this is one of the ones that is great for creating ads, background images. Um, once you get into some more complexities, it's not always the best, but this was like audience of a speaker speaking to lots of people right here. Lots of people watching a speaker on stage. So it's a different advantage versus a mid journey. I, I took one of these crazy requests that is designed to kind of not make a lot of sense to AI and it created these versions. This is probably the closest to the request. I did the same thing in mid journey and the complexity level of mid journey, as you can see, is way deeper in its understanding of language. Um, but not like any of the stuff makes a lot of sense, but it was a fairly crazy request. So the goal of this one that I would recommend to people is this is great for some of those backgrounds you need for ads, um, images you need for blog posts, uh, social media stuff that you want to then add some information, company name, or uh, an individual to. So I think there's a lot of high quality stuff you could do that could get you 80% of the way and then just a small edit or change and you've got your final image and creative without having to work too much with the designer. I think between this and Canva, you'd never have to pay for photos again. I'm thinking a lot about uh, thumbnails with this. When I saw the crazy one with the cat, I was like, that would be a fun thumbnail to have on your YouTube. So, um, what's the price on this? There's oh, yeah. no price on this. It's in a beta stage, so it's limited in the sense that it only does four generations, but then you can break it out and do variations on that specific one. So it's kind of like, I'd say slightly different than mid journey because you have to use discord. So it's a little bit easier for the average person to start here than going into mid journey. So I'd take this as like, try the beta cost you nothing. And if you get something out of this, it means more complex stuff's available for you in mid journey as well. The My tool this week is an AI tool that helps you with your logos in brand kit and also um, brand assets for your website. It's called Luca, not Luca, Luca. I've been trying to pronounce it this whole time and um, I excuse myself if I pronounce it <laughs> the wrong way, but it's a really cool tool. I found it because uh, my mom is actually starting uh, her new business and she was like, can you make me a logo? And I'm like, uh can try my best. I'm no designer. Uh, but since we always talk about AI, I just searched, did a quick search and found this website and they mix your design preferences and AI to make beautiful logos um, and also create brand kits and uh, like hundreds and hundreds of branded templates that you can use for your business. So the cost is $96 a year uh, for unlimited logos. 
And then you can also do a brand kit web subscription for 192. So that one is like if you want to use it for your website. Uh, and then they also have like a logo packages for $20 for a basic logo or a premium one for $65. Um, so I think compared to like if you pay a designer, you know, it can go from $600 to 2000 and above thousands, thousands of dollars, depending on the on the quality and the experience of the designer. So I think this is a really good tool for someone, you know, that maybe doesn't have the budget. Maybe it's a solopreneur um, or just a small team that is looking to cut cause um, and we are always are fans of of these kinds of tools that can benefit st small teams that maybe don't have the budget to hire a designer um, for their team or for their assets. So I haven't checked it out uh, personally, so I want to do that next. Um, but uh, what I know is that you can go through the logos and you don't pay until you actually like it, like that, like the final version. So. You can start playing with it for free and get the logo options for free. I played around with this one a little bit, and I would highly recommend it to anybody who's ever paid for a logo design of any kind. This should be where you play to get to 80% of what you want and then take that to a designer when you're profitable or have enough money because this is more than enough for 99% of people starting out, getting a business card, getting a website, getting any kind of branding on their social media assets. So many options. So easy to do, so simple that it really is much better. And I think by the end of it, if you pay for it, it's like $10 for the one logo. So you really do get the product you want and it gets you more than what you need. So definitely play with this extremely valuable, very nice tool. Great job, Alex. Christina, what do we have next? So my tool is called Savvy Cal. I always like to describe it as like, think of Calendly, but much more powerful and better without much more complexity. So it's this is a scheduling tool, helps you to find optimal time. So exact same way that you would do with Calendly. What I like about this from like a UI UX experience is that it allows you to create unlimited links to be able to then send to people that you can designate time in your calendar. You can designate multiple points of availability and then you're sending that out to people, they can select the times that work for them, but that can also be done on an individual and a group level. That's where we often have to integrate something like a doodle poll for Calendly. That's where it kind of stops. I'm sure it'll pick up at one point in time. But for this, if you're dealing with a mastermind group or think of one of our thousands of DM chat groups that's trying to find a time for a Zoom or even just like meetings with clients and there's a number of different people at play, sending out one link saying everyone put in their availability and that being able to very easily develop the, the invite, send it out to people. What I also love is that this creates and allows you to create like workflows within those invites. So I can set up for each one of those links, an individual workflow that allows me to define whether they get an email reminder, X amount of minutes beforehand, a SMS reminder, X amount of minutes beforehand. I can send and I can curate those messages to them based on each of those links that I provide. Um, so that's really easy communication and make sure that people are showing up to your meeting. It also shows that you're on the ball, right? Nobody loves that more than when you're sending a meeting calendar invite, then, oh, wow, they sent me a reminder. Oh, wow, I'm getting a text as well. 
oh, wow, this is the exact information I need to be prepared for our meeting, just helps you as an individual level up. Um, and I use it all the time. So really simple, easy to use. It's There's a free model. There's a basic model at 12 USD a month, and then a premium is 20. I'll be honest, I don't know the exact differences between those, but it's likely number of users and number of links that you have access to. So really simple, really easy, use it all the time. Yeah. I would not I with the tools this week. Right? Well, or you I was just going to say, I really like this tool for exactly that last reason. Being able to change the workflow and send people emails, you know, an hour before the meeting saying, here's the link to the run of show or whatever it is. Show ends. Do you have any questions? Book another time. Here's the link. All of that stuff to me is the difference between us having to hire an additional person, whether it's an assistant or a VA to organize all of these things and putting them in systems that can even be shot out to like Zapier and, you know, added to different spots, which to me, again, that lets you fire off another email through monday.com or add them to Slack and notify people there. So all of it really does help you leverage and get, get more of what you're looking for without having to hire more folks. I think that's it. We came in hot, as Alex said. Uh, what an episode. I'm really excited about it. I think there's a lot of great content in here and always have fun uh, chatting with the two of you. So thank you all for tuning into Intentional AF. Don't forget to ugh. redo, redo, redo. Thank you for tuning into Intentional AF. Don't forget to subscribe and join us next Wednesday for more branding, marketing, and tech insights in Web3. Love that you're tuning in and spending your time with us as well. We'd love to hear valuable content that you've got to offer. So if there's something like a brand that you want us to check out for an intentional brand check, or you just want to give feedback, we're always looking to get better and always looking to build with our community. We'd love for you to reach out. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. And remember, friendly reminder, we know it's hard out there, but you got this. Have a good day. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Intentional AF, your go-to source for branding, marketing, and tech to help you build a scalable, intentional, and badass brand in Web3. Remember to join us every Wednesday for more inspiration, insights, and actionable tips tailored to all you artists, creators, and project founders. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with the latest from our podcast. Until next week, keep building that badass brand in Web3, and remember to stay Intentional AF. You got this.